I'm Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. I can't wait for you to hear this episode related to the very important work happening in social justice activism and the critical anti-racism work here at home and around the world. This episode coincides with Scholar Strike for Black Lives in Canada, happening on September 9th and 10th, 2020. Thousands of academics in higher education will be participating to show solidarity and protest anti-Black, racist, and colonial police brutality in the U.S., Canada, and elsewhere. During the scholar strike, we will pause our teaching and administrative duties. The idea is to use this time to organize opportunities to discuss, reflect, and take action on police brutality and violence. Joining me today is my friend and former colleague, Chantal Ragu, who is the National Sales Director for Mother Denim. Chantal now works in the realm of fashion, but she started her career in the design and print production world. She's excited to share her career path in the design and fashion industries, as well as add her voice to the discussion about Black representation in industry. Hi, Chantel. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Diana, my fellow GCM alumni. Yeah, it's been a long, long time. How are you? Good. It's been crazy. I mean, we're living in crazy times, but um, I just want to say how awesome it is for you to be able to have this platform to, you know, keep your students engaged. And I'm really excited. So I am so excited that you are here with us as well. So I want to start out for you to introduce yourself to the students and to all the podcast listeners. So can you tell us a bit about yourself and and the work that you do right now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thanks everyone for listening and joining us today. Fun fact, Diane and I actually worked together for a couple of years in the printing. We did. Yeah, we had some good fun times. Lots of fun times. And honestly, it was so long ago, but it seems like it was just like yesterday in so many ways. So yeah, so I started off um, graduating from the GCM program. Um, I did a marketing minor as well. Um, Interestingly enough, I don't even know if you know this, uh, Diana, but I was actually accepted into the media arts program and the fashion communications programs at Ryerson. And ultimately, I chose to go into the graphic communications program. I started sewing and designing clothing at the age of 12. So I've always kind of been very creative and I've had like an eye for design and just all things creative, really. And then this led me to getting more involved in like graphic design when I was in, in, in high school and layout. So I was very like interested in both areas, really. And then upon graduating from GCM, I did work in the printing, print publishing industry for a few years in sales. And then I realized that I did really have a real desire to learn more about the fashion industry. I just started working freelance as a wardrobe stylist um, where I was able to 
learn a lot about myself, but also a lot about the industry. And it was a really good chance for me to kind of see what was out there and to just kind of hone in on my skills and learn a lot about what I did enjoy about the fashion industry, but also what I didn't. And then also what I wanted to pursue a little bit more. So with that, I did work for a short period of time in buying and then also in managing retail. And then I ultimately migrated back into the world of sales, but in the fashion wholesale business. After I did go back to Ryerson um, for some part-time fashion communication courses. And currently now I work in sales in the fashion wholesale industry. I initially started out as an account manager, and now I work as a national sales director, um, managing and overseeing several major contemporary brands. So what does that typical day look like for you? It must, it sounds busy. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm sure you can see from my Instagram, it is very busy, but it's very fun. You know, the industry is extremely fast paced just in itself. So no two days are alike. And honestly, like, I love it that way because it just, you just never know what to expect. Keeps you on your toes, so to speak. So typically in my role as a national sales director, I'm communicating with people all day long, like across the country in different territories, but also in the U.S. as well. So basically we work as like the middle role between retailers and brands. So I. I'm that person that's really kind of bringing everybody together. I'm that person that's really helping to speak to both sides. So currently the company I work for for is also unique in the sense that I get to be privy to the design aspect of what's happening. The company I work for, we actually have our own in-house brands. So as opposed to some of the other companies I've worked for before, uh, where we just kind of are utilizing other people's brands, this is really unique in the sense that I get to see what happens literally from the beginning to the end um, because we have our own in-house brands. So it's pretty amazing to get to see like the initial concepts, like move into like a full design and then later into the manufacturing as well. It's pretty exciting to just kind of see things like come into fruition each season. So that's something that's really unique about what I get to do as well that you don't always get to do in my role, which I really love doing and getting to be a part of. And then, yeah, working with retailers means, you know, you really have to understand what's happening overall in the marketplace and within the industry. And by doing that, you're able to help the retailers make the best decisions for their businesses. So, you know, I work with retailers, big, small, each day from across the country to help them build their businesses through the brands that I represent. And you become the face of the brand in many ways. So like your communication and presentation skills are extremely vital in helping you be successful. You know, these are things that you have to like, you have to grow and learn as you, as you go through your, your careers. And I think that's something we'll kind of touch on a little bit later. I also get to do a, quite a bit of travel for work, which is really fun, but also very informative as well. And, you know, it's a little side perk of the job, can't lie couple free dinners. (laughs) Now I have to ask you, I have something very serious to ask you. Oh, okay. Okay. So I have to ask you, so you're, you're a a trendy lady. Let's, let's, we can all agree. You're, you're, you're a fashionable lady. So I thought of you today when I went to walk the dog and I wore my shoes with my white socks poking out. I don't know (laughs) if you remember, hold on. I don't know if you remember when we were together. And I came in one day wearing some sort of like, I don't know what I was wearing, but my white socks were, were like, I was wearing white socks with some sort of. <laughs> Sounds like you. 
skirt and no, no, hopefully it wasn't a skirt. Anyway, all I'm (laughs) trying to ask is what are the trends right now in design, whether that's fashion design, whether that's graphic design, they get you really excited. And I really hope it's white socks sticking out of ugly shoes. (laughs) Do you know what? This is what I like to say. What I love about what's happening right now in the world. I think the fact that like anything goes is pretty much what excites me the most. Like literally anything goes. Like that could be your vibe. That, right? No, that, that doesn't go. <laughs> it, it never worked. It never will work. <laughs> <laughs> it's about owning something as well. You know, if that is what you love and that's your look, then that's your look. Like now more than ever, people are able to express themselves freely through their craft. Like whatever that might be, you know, art, music, fashion, design. Like I believe in a vibe, a feeling, right? Like. So if you are very passionate about those white socks and your sandals, girl, you live, live. Listen, there's also a hole in the bottom of my sock. It's, it's not pretty. I think um, the fact that today we see a lot of concepts that would never have been considered, you know, fashion or art or music at the forefront. I think there's a lot of beauty in that. And I think that's really what excites me, especially when you're someone that's creative, you know, because it means that there's opportunity out there. You know, people that would have been told no before are hearing yes now. And that's so inspiring and exciting. And, you know, also while I love seeing these new concepts being brought to the forefront, I'm also really inspired lately by like vintage and like classic, modern, like being something classic that you can take and bring it into the modern world. I really love the concept of that because design is recycled. You know, it's redone, it's revamped. I kind of use this example. So I love when you hear like a new age song, but they've like sampled the song from back in the day. You know what I'm talking about? Because like I live for a sample in a song. But the thing is, like you have to know where that came from. You have to have a good understanding of where things came from in order to have an understanding of what they are today, right? So like for me, like I can enjoy that new age song a little bit more when I know where the original sample came from. So it's kind of the same thing with design to me. Like I need to know and appreciate the old so that I can understand the new. And the same thing goes for design in in my opinion. I love that. The idea of remixing something almost. There you go. Yeah. Taking taking an a concept and running with it in perhaps a different direction or a direction that hasn't been explored yet to create something entirely new. Yeah, exactly. How do you feel that your design and print education background in the School of Graphic Communications Management. How does that intersect with the work you now do in the fashion industry? I think a lot of people would have thought this was a huge stretch. But what's so interesting about the GCM program is that it's taught me a lot of the core values that I still use today. While I veered off into another direction in the world of fashion, there's still so much that applies from what I was able to learn from the GCM program. You know, the importance of teamwork, like working in teams, this family-oriented vibe and feeling, you know, that I've literally carried with me throughout my whole career, whether that was in print, whether that was in retail, whether that's now. You know, I, I also pride myself on being the best team leader that I can be. And part of that is knowing like your strengths and weaknesses so you can understand your position within that group and that dynamic so that you can then better yourself and learning, you know, from those around you. Um, And I feel like in the GCM program, there's so much teamwork. We're very reliant on one another. 
you know, and we, we become really good at working in teams. That's something I have to say is just paramount. And it's just an amazing thing because I don't think that that is something that you would get from a lot of other programs, honestly. That is such a unique aspect of, of GCM and I'm really grateful for that. Um, you know, I realized that my education in the GCM, like the business related aspects of the program, you know, coupled with my experience in print sales, it gave me a lot of transferable skills. So one thing I want to highlight is that like a lot of our fellow GCMers like are now working in completely different industries that are unrelated to print. There's, there's a lot of us and they've been able to use those transferable skills to work in parallel industries. So many of the things that I learned in my first years of working in print are really the foundation of my growth and my development over the years. Like I learned amazing communication skills, like amazing time management, analytical skills, problem solving skills. Like these are huge, huge things that I can say I gained from, from working in GCM and working in print. Um, and you know, the values you gain from this program are truly unique. And honestly, they really allow you so many opportunities. It's really up to you what you do with those values and skills. But in my opinion, you can manipulate them into whatever benefits you. And it's what you do with that that's going to lead to different opportunities for you. So work it. Absolutely. It can work for you. I love that. And I, I also, I always love the, the idea that we walked away with a Bachelor of Technology at the end of it, because you could make that kind of whatever you want. It, it, Any- no one knows what that is, but it's a bachelor's degree. It's from a university. We know stuff about a lot of different areas, but you can kind of know so many things actually. Make it what you want. Now, what's the greatest challenge in the work that you do? I mean, there's a lot of challenges within within any career. I think the biggest one is for me is learning not to get taken advantage of. Like, especially in this industry, it's very easy to get taken advantage of. Like knowing your worth and what is a fair ask versus what is an unfair ask. I don't don't want to put you on the spot there, but do you have any examples of what a fair ask versus an unfair ask might? You know, in terms of time, you know, some some employers expect that you're going to work 14-hour days. Listen, sometimes that's required, but when that becomes a pattern, you have to actually stop and say, hey, is this because there's an issue with the system of how we're doing things? And it's not easy to do that because sometimes you don't have the experience and you don't really know how something works. And that's why I think it is a challenge because you have to know how things work in order to know, is this a fair ask, you know? And I do believe in, you know, when you start somewhere, you gotta pay your dues, like, you know, you have to learn, but you should also be able to question what is fair. Uh, And you know, you shouldn't be afraid to speak up about it. I think a lot of times people are afraid, you know, because especially in these industries, which are extremely competitive, there's a lot of people that are kind of like waiting, you know, in line. Or so we think, but that doesn't mean that you can't ask questions. Also, learning how to create a work-life balance can be pretty tricky as well. I have trouble with that. I'm learning um, to get better at it. I actually think that the lockdown really helped me to self-reflect and take a step back and just kind of, you know, breathe for a second. But it also helped me to realize, like, uh, asking for help 
and not being afraid to do so are extremely, extremely important. Um, also a, a huge challenge within this industry um, for me is like staying well-versed on things, um, staying abreast of what's happening at every level, because it's not just about like what you're doing now or what you did before. It's a continuation. Like you have to continue your education. You have to read and you have to initiate this on your own. There's nobody like behind you saying, oh, you have to do this. You have to read this. Uh, make sure that you get involved with this or this group of people or that you're seeing what these people are doing. Like you have to do that all on your own. And, you know, it's important. And what I kind of mean by this is that there's such an influx of information, you know, of dialogue, of imagery being thrown at us every single day. There's just so much. Being able to dissect that so that you can gather the information you need that is relevant to you specifically can be really tough. It can be really hard to, to kind of really compartmentalize things when there's so much being thrown at you. And then it can be so hard to stay present and focused on what you want to achieve. It's super important, especially in industries like this, to remember that what you see isn't always what you get. People think there's a glamour and a glory and like, while I love what I do, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. There's a lot of extra hours, as I just said, a lot of my own personal time that I'm putting into things in order to be successful that people don't see. And so, and, I, and a lot of other people go through this as well in other industries. And so I just think it's important to not get wrapped up in the aesthetic or the image of things because you can lose your, your focus and, and you can lose your footing. So those are some of the challenges. What gets you excited what is the greatest joy in the work that you do? Well, you know me on a per very personal level since we like went to school together, we worked together, all of that. You set my pants on fire once, there yes. There you go, girl. I did set your pants <laughs> on fire. We <laughs> laughed about that. For we That's a long, still laugh that is a long story. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll. It, it happened. Honestly, um, I'd say getting to work in a team environment and with amazing people is really what keeps me going. I really need that. I need to feel happy. Um, I mean, we spend 75% of our time with the people we work with. I mean, not so much now since we're working from home, a lot of us. But I also work really hard to, you know, create a great team around me of people who want to work really hard, but also then play really hard. You know, it's really important to laugh and enjoy yourself every day. Like, that's so important. You need to take time to have a moment, you know, have a second. Otherwise, like, it's all for nothing. And then because my background has always been in sales, I've always been pretty target-driven. So I really like hitting my goals each season and year. You know, I like knowing that I was able to achieve my projections and my targets through my hard work. Amazing. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more that working with good people is, is the best part of the job. And whether that's, yeah, whoever that is, whether for me, it's colleagues, but also students. Yeah, they add to your, to your day. They add to your your life every single day. You need that, like, that flavor. You need that, you know, you need that. People are really important to us. And I think we realize that so much with this lockdown, you know, some of us are huge people, people. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Now the AIGA, which is for those who are unsure, who are listening, it's the Professional Association for Design. They've estimated that only 3% of graphic designers are black. So why do you think this underrepresentation exists? Well... Listen, I, I hate to say it. I'm sad to hear it's only 3%, but it, it, like, it doesn't surprise me. 
I think this happens because we're not presented with the opportunities. That's always going to be the main issue. And, and it doesn't just go for this industry. It goes for so many other industries, including my industry. There's a major lack of access. Most white people will never feel like they can't get into an industry or that it's off bounds to them. And that right there is something to think about. This particular industry, I feel, is not really in our faces as an accessible one. Um, and because of that, I don't think most people even really think of it as a potential career path. When I graduated, I have to say, um, starting working in the, the print industry, there wasn't really anyone that looked like me at all. You know, not in client meetings, not really at the office, not at events. It was like, it was a rarity. And um, it makes a difference when you see other people like yourself around you each day, like it, it encourages you. So it really is on the industry to make things more inclusive. Like they need to be more vocal about the opportunities that exist for black students in high schools. I think that's a huge starting point. There needs to be programs that are set out to enlist students from all backgrounds, not even just the black community, but from all backgrounds. And this kind of goes back to, to mentorship, which is something I'll touch on a little bit later. But for me as, as a high school student, and I was really lucky. I had a teacher who cared and really cared about me and like my future who I could ask questions and, and, and talk to on a personal level, you know, on a one-to-one -one level. And he actually gave me so much information about the industry and he actually enlightened me on what the industry entailed. And so I was lucky in that sense, but a lot of other people don't really get that. So I think that's pretty tricky, you know, when those tools aren't there. And I really believe that these industries need Black people. It's not the other way around. We are skilled people. There's so much to benefit from. You know, we all have different backgrounds and experiences, things that shape who we are individually that we can bring to the table. So why miss out on that from a group of people, from Black people? Like, we need these differences to make us better and to push us all. I think talent, I've heard this before many times, and I absolutely believe it to be true, that talent is equally dispersed in this world any you go to any corner of this world you can find talent mm -hmm. but opportunities are not mm -hmm. open necessarily to everybody so right right so having said that what can i do specifically with my white privilege and what can my colleagues at the university do to promote greater inclusion in the world of design and print i mean recognizing that you have white privilege really is the first step you know, and as crazy as that seems, many have not faced this because there's a responsibility in having that white privilege for you specifically as an educator, as an influencer, as an authority figure to actively seek out ways that you can create change. You know, set goals individually, have your students set goals, and then you guys can hold each other accountable on these things. And I think holding one another accountable is extremely important. I've had my own experiences within the fashion industry as well. Like these industries are super tough, especially if you don't have connections or someone to mentor you. You know, use your platforms to help students who need it. Engage in conversations, incorporate tough concepts and topics into your lessons and your lectures. Also, look into organizations where you can support them with your time through fundraising as a class, as a group. There's so many things that we just didn't really think about before, but we have the time to think about it now. 
So I think there's a lot that, that you guys can do, but just initially even recognizing the responsibility you hold and having that white privilege is so, so important. Yeah. And I was going to say, we not only have the time now to think about it and, but I mean, we also, as you said, have the responsibility to now that we kind of, our eyes have been opened, we need to do better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, we have to hold in one another accountable. I think that is super important. I can't explain how important that is. Like, I think even within my group of friends and a lot of people who have really surprised me, like they're asking questions there. And I want to just say like, just because someone's black doesn't mean they have all the answers. <laughs> like, I don't know everything myself. Like, this is a learning process for me too. I'm learning about so many things and I've used this as a time for myself too, to come forward and talk about things that have been really, really difficult for me, you know, over the course of me having a career. This is, this is an interesting one because my full name is Tanika Chantal Raigou. And as I got into the industry, as I started styling, I started playing around with my name and, you know, to get people's attention. I actually started using my middle name, Chantel. Now I love it. It's my name. But the point is, is that a lot of people don't have to do that in order to get someone's attention. I had to do that and it did allow me to have more opportunity, but that's a real shame. Yeah, it's almost as if you've had to, I don't want to say hide a part of yourself, but change the way that you represent yourself to receive greater opportunities. Absolutely. And in doing that, I'm not going to lie to you. I really, truly believe that a lot of opportunity did come my way. And so I just think recognizing those things is, is really, really important. Like even for me to recognize that within myself. How do you think that design in general, can be more accommodating to underrepresented populations? Okay, so first thing is I have an issue with the word accommodating. Yeah, talk to me. Because I don't think we should be accommodated to. I think that we should have a fair shot. It's about equity, not equality. So it's about those that need help getting the right tools. Not everyone, as I said before, has the same background, the same experiences, the same tools. So, so it's about recognizing those that need and providing so that we can level out the playing field. We should be thought of as part of the equation. And this means that, you know, we don't all come to the table with the same backgrounds or experiences. This needs to be taken into consideration. And unfortunately, it's not. And that's why there's an uneven playing field. So that is, that's what I think is a huge factor. It's about equity, not equality. And there's some really great, you know, resources that can explain that, like great images as well that you can share with your students. This is a theme that I think if we can try to get our heads around a little bit more, you're going to be able to pinpoint who needs the right tools. Absolutely. And I, like that rings true to me. I can think, uh, I won't say any names, of course, but I can think of students who I have recognized as needing those extra tools and needing those extra opportunities and needing those extra whatever it's been and trying to do my best uh, in that moment to reach out or or lend a helping hand but I know that I also probably could have done better so knowing what I know now I that's actively at the forefront of my mind 
but that's the point, you know, this is all a learning experience. And for me, I've really started to find my voice in the last few years um, so that I've been able to speak out on certain things. I've seen so many instances where I'm not even included. I'm, it's not a thought. And, you know, in terms of model castings, in terms of comments that are made, we have to think about what we're saying before we say it. We can't just say whatever we feel like anymore. I've seen so many things happen that people don't even seem to realize that I'm even there watching it happen, if that makes sense. I've really had to find my voice and I've really started speaking up about the things that I don't think are right. But not just that, it's, you can't just say, I don't like something, you know? I'm a solutions driven person. So when I say I don't like something, I wanna to come to the table with how we can make it better, how we can improve it. If you realize that something isn't right, what are you gonna do about it? 100%. Talking about it's one thing, but um, acting in solidarity, doing whatever we can as a community, as an entire, as a united people is so critically important to, uh, to help level the playing field, as you said. Recent horrific events have brought greater attention to the Black Lives Matter movement and injustices, underrepresentation, systemic racism. So in your opinion, what can we do to keep up the momentum and really continue to fight injustices with the Black community and fight for anti-racism? Uh, you know, my mom always said growing up, if you know better, do better. But I think in the case of the Black Lives Matter movement, I think a lot of people actually do not know enough to do better. And so firstly, everyone has to get more comfortable with talking to each other. There might be awkward conversations, but they need to be had so that we can get on with learning, growing, changing, and then ultimately being able to do better. Conversations might need to be, happen within your own family. They certainly have needed to happen within mine and we've been striking them up. Are they awkward? Yes. Do they need to happen? Absolutely. I think people need to realize that no matter who you are, if you're white, black, Asian, it's uncomfortable for everyone to have these conversations. We're conditioned to stay quiet, uh, to keep things light and not awkward, but look at where that's gotten us. Nowhere. The other thing I, I want to say is that my growth individually is also dependent on the growth of the people who are around me. The more that we're learning and growing together, the better we will all be collectively. You know, throughout the last few months, I've, I've kind of said, I've been letting my circle know that I too am also learning. Just because I'm a Black woman does not mean that I am here to be everyone's educator. It's not my responsibility. It is yours. And I also have a lot to learn too. And I have been doing it. And to say it simply, I've been putting in the work to learn and to push myself to be more engaged in the conversation. Anyone can do it. You know, so when people ask me, what can they do? I start by saying, there are so many resources. Like it costs nothing to learn about these issues. It just takes your time and it takes the passion and the want, you know, the desire. There are trained professionals at libraries. There are reading lists. There are Instagram platforms, books, videos, literally everything is at our fingertips. There's no excuse. We literally have no excuse, but we can no longer just be performative. And, and what I mean by that is that we can no longer rely on just saying that Black lives matter. We need to prove it. We need to put in the work and the learning so that we're not just saying the right things, 
at the right time that help us to seem like we're part of the movement, you know? I'm talking about doing, not just saying, like not just asking a few questions, like that's not good enough anymore. It's not good enough for me. And it's certainly not good enough for the people who are in my circle, who are around me, for my family. You know, a great example was watching a lot of the brands and companies speak out about the Black Lives Matter movement. The, the issue here is that actions speak louder than words. You, you got to back yourself up. You cannot just put up a black square and call it a day. Like, it cannot be performative at this point. We need to do, not just say. It's like putting a bunch of beautiful skills on a resume and talking. I mean, you could talk to talk, but if you can't walk the walk, if you can't actually perform those skills, then what is... <laughs> we all uh, have to do better in terms of, as you said, walking the talk. I think that's so critically important. It's, it's not enough to say, yes, Black Lives Matter, but okay, what's next? What's the next step? What are our action items? How are we going to make this better for everyone in our community? Yeah, exactly. Action items and like holding yourself accountable to those. Like as humans, we have to keep doing something in order to learn and how to get better at it. There's no course at school about how to have tough conversations about racism or how to learn how to be empathetic. Like we have to learn these things and you learn by doing them, right? Not just talking about them. And so also learning what organizations are key within your community that are helping with the Black Lives Matter movement like figuring out how you can not only just donate, but like, how are you going to donate your time? Like, how are you going to engage with these organizations? Because it's not just about flinging money at something that isn't good enough anymore. And personally, I just realized the severe importance of also being, being engaged more politically, like not just on the large scale of things, but more so on the smaller scale. So like right within our communities, there are like town hall meetings and there's major topics that are being discussed at these meetings. There's major decisions that are being made that a lot of us have literally no clue about. So the more we know, the more we can make informed decisions about defunding the police, about educating society on what systemic racism actually is, about taking action in different ways to promote change. This is a continual learning and educating experience. We have the ability to be heard. Like, look at what happened with the NBA being shut down for two days. Like, when did we ever think that that would happen? And yet it did. And yet it showed people that like, we can be heard, we can change. And the thing is like, we have to remember why we're doing something in the first place, right? For this to have true meaning and for us to be able to move forward and make those changes, we have to think. Why are we doing it? Like, it, cause it's not just a trend. Like it's not just a sweater that you pick up in the store. No, this is an ongoing process. So I just wanna be clear. I, I love a cute little sweater, just like the next girl, but it, this is not a trend, okay? Like this is something that we all really have to devote ourselves to. And I, I don't think I could be more clear about that cause it's, it's just, I don't want it to get lost. There's so many distractions. We have a really tough year ahead of us. Who knows what's to come, but that's a distraction and we can't let it be. Now, my last question for you. Well, first of all, you are a hardworking, strong, badass Black woman. 
How have you found your success? And do you have any advice for other young Black women who are in the design or in the fashion industries who are just starting their careers as to kind of how, how to find success in, in these industries? Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, firstly, I want to say we do have to be careful with typecasting Black women as strong Black women, quote unquote. Absolutely. I think that's something that's really important to say because what if you aren't feeling particularly strong? And what this does is that I don't think a lot of people realize that that's a lot to live up to, just saying that alone, because it makes it hard to ask for help. And I've talked about the importance of that earlier on, like being able to ask for help and like feeling the freeness to be able to do that is something that I will say I have not felt I have been able to do because there seems to be this, oh, like strong black woman associated with me. So I think that's important to kind of just say off the, off the hop there. And again, just going back to, you know, really thinking about how we say things and like what that might mean, the perceptive perception to, to others. But I honestly think that being good to those around you is so paramount in creating good energy for yourself and for other people. You know, a lot of industries are actually quite small and your reputation is literally everything. It's the one thing that you have that you can create for yourself, that you have control over. So, you know, do things with the best intentions and, and the best attitude. Like you literally never know where your next opportunity might be coming from. So it's really important to keep positive vibes flowing. That's super important to me. I think taking initiative, you know, like I took initiative when I wanted to do something or try something. I even did things when other people thought I was making a mistake. Make mistakes. Mistakes are good for you. They help us grow and learn. Make a mistake. My dad always said, like, if you don't ask, you will never get. Ask for what you want. Do not be afraid to ask. The worst thing that could happen is it's a no. And then at least you know, whether it's asking for a raise, for a promotion, or wanting to get involved in learning something in a new area, just ask. Also, seeking other like-minded individuals. S like, strike up conversations with people. Um, start talking. I mean, it's a bit hard to do now, but when we are able to, again, you know, engage in new social settings, like where you can meet other like-minded people as well, where you can build your connections and your network across different industries. I think that's so important because building a network within your own industry is, of course, very important, but being able to do so across other industries, I think is very, very important in the sense that it gives you different perspectives on what's going on. And that can be encouraging, that can be insightful, that can, you know, spark new creativity in what you're doing. So talk, you know, read, push yourself to engage with new information all the time. And I'm also a really strong believer in paying it forward. So I'll end on that note. Like I was really, really lucky to come across some mentors in my life and people who gave me a chance, you know, people who wanted me to succeed and helped me. So now when I get the chance to do that, like I always take it, no matter what, how big or small, like I always want to be able to help. You know, we need to help one another more. Even if that's helping a friend in class with notes from a lecture they might have missed or talking about a problem or obstacle we might be having. I think that's really, really important. And then lastly, just being passionate about what you're doing. Being passionate about what you're doing, loving it, living for it. So, so important. 
Thank you so much, Chantal, for joining us today. I absolutely enjoyed our conversation and I learned a lot. And I am hoping that, uh, that everyone else has been able to, uh, to learn from our conversation. So I wish you all the best of luck and I can't wait to chat with you again. Thanks, Diana. And thanks everyone for listening. there you have it. Another episode is in the books. Thanks for hanging out with me and I look forward to the next time we get to talk paper scissors.